interesting that you have time to record the podcast today, but you couldn't make the radio show this morning. I know. I couldn't. Yeah. What the hell is going on? Everything was happening all this morning from like 10 to like 11 something. 11, what's 15 or something? Sounds like and a then, likely story. You know what people realized? Oh, the show's so much better <laughs> without all those voices interrupting. How was it? It really has got much better conversation that people <laughs> connect with. You were able to have a conversation with Eric today? Uh, yeah, there were some conversations. I mean, there are also times when he goes on his rants and you can't really get your word in, yeah. but the, you know, that's what the people want. They want the rants. I guess. That's what's tested when they do the test audiences. What's your favorite part of the show? Jared comes in second, rants come in first. <laughs> okay. It's true. Voices. Man. I don't know where the voices rank. Number one. No, they're down there. Yeah. Characters and voices. We don't need to get into that since we've done a whole show on it before. Oh my God in heaven. I don't remember what the episode was called, but maybe it was. What did you guys talk about? Lobsters. Lobsters? Yeah. A, a nice discussion on lobsters. I threw some That's trivia cool. out there how older lobsters aren't allowed to be caught and lobsters yeah. that have eggs aren't allowed to be And how they grow? Yeah, like seven after like seven years or something happens at a certain age, right? I don't know. What are you getting at? What oh, maybe like after a certain amount of weight and years. Oh, I forget what the thing is. We're like, however many pounds they are. Fuck. Hold on. There's some trivia about that. Hold on. Well, I'm glad you weren't on the show today because oh, this is what it would have turned well, I would into. have Googled it first. No, nah, you would have thrown Why are you up. being nasty? Stop being nasty. There's nothing, there's nothing nasty about this. Yeah, you are. You just keep shitting on me. No, what? No, you don't want to see me shit on someone. Well, I already know what that's like. Huh? <laughs> what does that mean? I already know what it's like to, for you to shit on people. What do you, this is coming off as very literal. When we catch one that is 20 to 30 pounds, it's because a claw got caught in the engine. It's it. I would like to hold on. Can we clear the air that there is the, the way you presented it made it sound very literal. Oh, I know what it's like to be shit on. Yeah, because you've shit on me <laughs> on the show. Still, I'm still imagining this as a literal. actual shitting. Yes. <laughs> it's, that, it is, uh, it's all that's popping. Away. You've you've shit on me. You shit on things and you shit on it was me? a constipated log, luckily, so it didn't leave any Ugh. smears and it rolled right off. I was right so off. lucky. <laughs> Could have been one of those soft ones created by meat and confectionaries. 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 The softest of shits. Would you Ew. rather have someone... Oh, would you rather? Would you rather have someone do a, a, a soft serve on you or a diarrhea? <laughs> soft serve <laughs> because even if it's soft serve you still can like get the majority of it off of you in one go and less of a go than like liquid <laughs> stinky liquid <laughs> all right and that's the show <laughs> Welcome.
Welcome to One Topic, where we stick to one topic. My name is Autumn Fisher. My name is Greg Ross, not drunk off Bailey's this week. How bad was it last week? I, I listened to a clip of last week's show. I didn't think it was bad at all. And I know you messaged me saying that you sounded awful, but <laughs> I didn't think so at all. I just thought it was fine. All right. Maybe it was fine. You know, There's a tendency to be harder on yourself than sure. reality dictates. Reality would say, it's like, no, that was totally fine. And then you listen back, you're like, you fucking suck, you piece <laughs> of shit. I would I would do that often when I worked at 99X. Sometimes I would drive home and listen to my air check on cassette. Because <laughs> I, I think it is important sometimes to gauge your performance and make adjustments if needed. Mm-hmm. And you know, there were some times like, today sucked. That show was awful. And then I'd listen back. It's like, oh, that was pretty good. And there was other times like, that was the greatest thing I've <laughs> ever done. And I'd listen back. It's like, oh, that was pretty good only. It's like it always just kind of evened out, not to say that there isn't a range, but it all fell kind of in the same spot. So I learned mostly it's like I can't trust myself. That's what I took from that. (laughs) Okay. though I did listen, you know, back when I was doing small edits to last week's show, I was like, oh, I sound drunk. But I ended up not drinking much on that. The rest of that main trip, I drank that night. I think I drank a bit on Monday and then on Tuesday I kind of went all out and then slept like shit and woke up with my heart pounding. And oh. you you know, when you're in that spot where there's a drink right next to you uh-huh. and you're thirsty, but you're so drunk and lazy, you're like, ah, oh, it seems like the biggest deal in the world to even sit up, roll yeah. over, take uh-huh. a sip of that. And after that, I just I didn't feel like drinking much more. So I spent spent a lot of sober time it's really nice uh waking up not hungover it feels so good it is and i i think it's at the point where when i'm getting out of drinking you know interacting with people having conversations and while it's fun it's not outweighing the hangover meaning i can also have the interactions at this point in my life without being drunk yeah, there was there was a time where it felt like not that I couldn't find value in such interactions if there wasn't alcohol involved, but it really did make it at least to me feel like it was a lot more fun. It's like this is just mm-hmm. fun. And I don't know, the fun part isn't there in the same way. I agree. I feel like it's a lot easier for me um, lately or. I guess recently <laughs> to be able to drink enough you know my goal isn't like even when i start to get a little buzzed i'm not trying to keep going before it felt like a a task to stay at that level because when i would get to that level it would be like yeah let's keep going let's make this level higher you know and now it just feels oh i can just keep it at this level it's fine yeah you were a real booze hound for a bit i was I was going through some shit. I no, look, I understand. I yeah. in the, the big picture of all of this, even when I was younger, why I like to socialize and this still exists now, like there's a big part of me it's like I don't really want to go out. I don't want to do this. When I mm-hmm. do it, I end up enjoying it, but I feel as though alcohol provided a bit of motivation to go out and it did add that element of fun. So mm-hmm. when I found myself in the middle of hanging out, knowing that earlier in the night I didn't want to go hang out, I was like, this is great. I don't want this to end. Let's keep drinking. Right. And 
and maybe the cabin being a place where I have to hang out no matter what, because there's just not the space to get away. Like you can disappear to a room for a bit. Um, but I think in general, outside of that confined space, I'm at the point where if I go out, I can have, I can trigger that fun before the booze is flowing. And so therefore the booze isn't needed as much. I get it. I think the cabin too, it makes sense to maybe push it a little further because you're just staying at the cabin and it's like cold out, you know, it feels like, yeah, let's get boozy. Yeah. I also found more fun in burning things in the fireplace than (laughs) when you were drunk. No, not even when I was drunk, when I was sober, I just was staring at the fire, fascinated by it, watching, like just thinking about fire and in general and the way it exists and that it's helpful, but harmful and it's alive in a way it needs fuel yeah. it needs air and you you take these things away it disappears and it makes sense that ancient civilizations thought it was like a god yeah it's a very strange substance yeah. for for lack lack of insightful comment on it it's <laughs> strange but fire any, strange anything that was uh, combustible well, not every, there's a lot of things that are combustible that I didn't throw in the fireplace. Anything that was paper product or cardboard, I would throw in there. Instead of throwing it into the trash, I felt as though I was doing a good service for the environment. Oh, that's kind of what you need. Instead of throwing your leftovers down the toilet. <laughs> Burning them? Yeah, you need, a, you need a, tra- a fire pit. Well, a big part of apparently New York City's trash goes to an incinerator. Somewhere in Jersey, I think. And they just burn everything. But it takes a lot of energy to do that. And I don't know what the emissions are, but I assume they're not so good. That's the the trade-off. It's like some of this cardboard I was burning, you know, the smoke's coming off of it and it's neon green. It's like, that's not good. Oh, yeah. Because of the printing on the box and who knows what chemicals. Or like glue or something. Yeah. So, uh, you know, overall in large quantities is burning garbage the way to go i don't think so there's no free lunch you know there's there's you can even with nuclear power which you know can be very efficient you still have to bury the waste and then that waste has the potential to be harmful for millions of years yeah leaching into (laughs) uh, the ground millions that's why this nuclear nuclear fission is the way to go once they got that figured out then then we're in business you should uh, launch your trash into space, but not, I know rockets take a lot of fuel. You just put that straw, like a giant straw that leads to space, and the vacuum will suck it right up, and then it'll oh, just... like the tube, like at the bank. Yeah, just like that. Okay. The pneumatic tube. That the- that wouldn't work, by the way. This this theory that if you had a straw that went to space, uh, <laughs> things would be sucked up to a level, but they wouldn't just be sucked completely into space well they couldn't escape earth's gravity it's it's not even like yes that yeah that that is a big part of it like there's differences in pressure um so if you think about putting a straw into a drink the liquid in the straw will go higher than the liquid in the glass but it doesn't like just spill over and this is the idea with space that there'd be enough suction to pull it all the way up but it, it doesn't work Nice. I wonder if you could start some sort of like funneling system, though. You know, like where if you on the other end at the space end, if you create enough suction on that end, 
then maybe it would just continue to suck. Yeah, but then you still, yeah, you got to figure out what creates that sucking force. And Mega Maid. What powers it? Spaceballs. <laughs> Your favorite, the Mega Maid <laughs> sucking up atmospheres. Mega Maid. Boom, 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 boom. So it's a ridiculous idea. Also, what would happen at that point? It would just then get caught in the Earth's gravitational pull in orbit. I guess some of it would be pulled back into the atmosphere and that would burn it up. Yep, but that would also release the same emissions that it would if it were just burning in Jersey. That's true. I did throw, See, there's no free lunch. <laughs> I did throw uh, some pork fat in there too. Someone <gasps> Ooh, roast, I bet that smelled good. Someone roasted a whole pork shoulder and there was a big strip <gasps> of fat in it and I, yes. I threw it into the fire and watched it crisp. I'm That's telling you, I stared at this fire. I just stared at it. it was, when I lived in when I lived in Zoffieville, uh, we would all gather, you know, outside even in the winter, but eventually we got this fire pit and in the summer times, in the spring and stuff, we would all be like talking and laughing and whatever. And then in the, in the winter, we would all be so quiet because we'd be around the fire pit and we would forget that it, we would be so quiet until the spring came and realize like, oh, we're funny. Look at us talking because we would just be staring at the fire the Self. whole winter. Self-labeling. These are the greatest conversations. We should record these conversations Nobody and release them. Said that. <laughs> we should release them as an audio book or a podcast. Zoffyville Diaries. Yes, the essays of Zoffyville. Where we came up with the idea of making cube cumbers where they grow in a box <laughs> and become a cube. <laughs> yeah, that idea should have been burned in the fire. <laughs> They made like the cube watermelons. Yeah, like the cube watermelons. Yeah. Cube cumbers. They're great for storage. It makes more sense. Yeah. And a great name. Yes. Just because you have a great name doesn't you have a, mean you have a great product. But I, I get it. I understand. I agree. Everyone there patting themselves on the back. Zoffyville, the most well, creative spot. Well, people spots. were stoned. We were drinking. It was a good time. Don't don't shit on the fun <laughs> memory times. I literally shit on the fun memory time. You shit on things. Stop shitting on things. My favorite day in Zoffyville was the day they knocked it down. Stop it! Now you've gone too far. I'm just kidding. I know. For, pe for people who don't know, a community of weirdos on 13th Street in Midtown between Juniper and Piedmont, amongst, amongst the high-rises, a two-story, unassuming brick. brick apartment building. 100 years old. With cheap rents. Run by an eccentric landlord. Six twenty-five a month. When we left, we were paying seven something, nothing. Set like below seven fifty, seven twenty. What a special magical time! Yeah, it fucking ruled. I know that I'm giving you a hard time about it, but it is cool. It's nice to have a community like that and something that yeah. is rare and unique. And like, wow, yeah. all these people living in the city. Most people don't have this kind of thing going on. And it creates memories for all the people who live there. And they probably talk about it fondly at this point. Like cucumbers. <laughs> yeah. So that's the best you took from it, though. Well, I, that's just something I could remember right now. It was a bit clicky, though. I, I you know, I got. Was uh, it? You know, no, you were there when someone was there that was a little mm, divisive. Yeah. Why? But, but she passed the approval process. I got her the apartment. I helped her yeah, get but, in and somebody somewhere said, yeah, unless they were just trusting me, which. Yeah, they're probably just trusting you. Well, I, I didn't think she was so awful. No, and I'm not saying she was so awful, but 
it would make sense that it would feel a little clicky when, you know. They turned on her. She doesn't belong. She had bad social anxiety. Yeah. Which people should but have that would come out. That would come across as rude. I understand. And not just like demure or quiet or like reserved. I, I, I like it took me a little while to understand it fully. Right. There was a time. It's like the the reaction, I guess, to the surroundings seems so over the top to me. And I did. I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? Why are you reacting like that? Why are you crying? The tears were flowing. And uh, it, yeah, in the moment, I didn't get it at all. Later on, it's like, oh, it was just like a very intense emotional reaction. And I actually feel for her in that moment now, retrospectively. Nothing I can do to go back and change my coldness towards it. Maybe I'm an asshole, but I really feel like ugh, I don't have time for you. If that's if, if you can't like I'm fine with a little bit of that. But if you just if you can't handle something that I deem is just it's just life. Let's go. Keep keep going. Yeah, know? but we're also talking about people in their 20s at this point. And I do think that I totally Even back then I was like, ugh, what's uh, wrong with you? and that's fair. But I do think that people should have time. I totally agree with you, especially as you age, get older. If you're not putting in the work to change those things or at least have the responsibility, hold the responsibility. It's like, look, I'm like this. I need to figure out how to work through it, move through it a little more quickly. And so it doesn't affect as many people as much as it used to. If you're not doing that, then yeah, fuck you. But mm-hmm. you know, in your twenties, I think there wasn't an openness for that kind of shit either. People didn't want to hear about it. They didn't want to talk. So people didn't face it and they ended up just, internalizing it and then it yeah. came out in weird ways you of all people you of all people should have empathy uh why are you empathetic you're not an empathetic person are you uh a little <laughs> I, don't, I mean i i understand it and i have felt empathy i've never really thought about it you're not that empathetic yeah i don't think i am Maybe it's because I'm maybe I, maybe it's a little selfish. Like by default, I think people just assume and assign that trait to you. Like, of course she is. But no, I'm sympathetic and I'm understanding. You know, uh, but no, I don't think I'm empathetic. Let me make sure I even know what that is. You have the inability the to dip- put yourself in other people's shoes and understand what's sympathetic then. I mean, they're all pretty similar. Because I would describe sympathetic as the way you just said. Like sympathy is more feelings of sorrow towards another person. And empathetic is an understanding. Oh. Yeah. And I feel like sympathy is pity. It could even, Hmm. in a weird way, be a negative. You're feeling sympathetic. It's not usually used in that way. I think pity is what people will lean on when they're like, oh, that poor soul, that pitiful creature. Okay. Well then, you know what? I think that I, I have half empathy because I feel like I am, I'm really good at trying to understand where someone is coming from and understand why they might be reacting that way. But I don't really have a lot of feelings about it. You know, I'm not like, I don't, I don't feel that for them. 
I'm like, oh, okay, they, they're doing it because of this. Well, that's fucking annoying. You know, like, I'm annoyed by it. Yeah, you have, you like the exercise more than the result, I guess. But sometimes that gets me in trouble because I'll, it's almost like I'll play devil's advocate. And it set, it seems like I'm defending a side that is clearly in the wrong. But really, I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm just trying to figure out where they might be coming from, like what they're doing. But I don't necessarily feel bad for them, even though if there's like, this is an extreme example, but like with child molesters typically being molested themselves, I like to think about like, oh man, I wonder what happened to them that became, that turned them into this like horrible person. And once, if you start going into that or like serial kill, you know what I mean? Like just trying to, trying to figure out where people come from or what, why they're doing what they're doing, what their motivations are. If you start talking about that, then it sounds like you're sort of defending them because you're, I guess you are triggering empathy. But maybe that's my problem is that I'm not really feeling it. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> Again, it's just an exercise for you. You're just interested yeah. in the exercise. Why is it? The, it's completely removed void of emotion, really, in a way. You're just approaching it matter of factly. What has happened in this person's life to make them want to kill other people? Mm -hmm. Why are they killing other people? See, the, emp the empathy would be, uh, I mean, I guess having empathy for the murderer, the mm -hmm. serial killer, is a little more difficult. Uh, there could be an understanding. It's like, I, wow, you had a lot of trauma in your life and it got you to this point. But I think having the empathy at that point would mean, I understand why you're at the point and I feel uh -huh. for you doing this. It's like, no, I... I right, and you don't really... Yeah, I I think I uh, I think that you can be you can feel sympathy or empathy like the feeling part for someone who's a monster, but not for the person that they are today, you know. But for the person that's inside of them, that's like was the hurt person, you know, because that person babies aren't born evil; they're made that way. And so at some point there was there was a series of events that made them into this, you know, whether it was like neglect because of, you know, um, that maybe maybe they did have some like aggressive tendencies, but they were neglected because their parents like didn't want to deal with it or there's clearly or, a line, though. you know, like a billion different things. But I'm just saying, like, you can feel sympathy for a part of them that is broken. But not to be like, well, then they should just be forgiven because it's not their fault. Yeah, not that. it doesn't need to be either or like, but there will one what I'm saying. There's like line. You cross this line to me, murder and the pain that causes the people who love the person who was murdered, who knows how that person right. was murdered and how they suffered. It's like, it's like, I did look. Like, yeah, I can think about these things. What got you to this point? But I really don't give a fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in a lesser level, it's like, oh, this person mugged me and slashed my face. And I can kind of understand why the socioeconomical uh, state right. of the neighborhood and the world that they grew up in that led them to this. Like, eh, look, is there something there? Ultimately, are there environments that lead people down certain paths? Sure, I do believe that. And if it's bigger picture and it's happening on a larger scale, then it's worth exploring that. That automatically doesn't mean that I give that person a path. And I think quite often... It's an either or with people, right? And especially the smaller crimes. There are people who are like apologists, like, oh, I'm sorry that life handed you that, that, 
hand <laughs> handed you yeah. that hand. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, I, I understand why you decided to come after me with a knife and wanted to take my money. Shut up. Shut the fuck uh, up. <laughs> I met this really sort of like artsy couple once. They were older. And I I don't know whether they did like mentoring or like fostering or something. They talked about having a child who was in their care and he was a black kid and he came from a you know, a poor neighborhood or something. And he was getting in trouble at school for being aggressive and for pushing for specifically like go pushing everyone out of the way at the water fountain or something and, you know, going ahead. And they were saying that he shouldn't have been in trouble for that because it's all he knew. And it's like not his fault that he was like that. It's like, yeah, but also that's not the he doesn't just get, get to continue to be like that. That's the point. Like you're getting him out of an environment where that was and supposed the way to be teaching new behave. things. Yeah, there are circumstances that do drive people to those situations, and I can understand that. Right, but like somebody who's like starving, if they go to the store and they steal a bunch of food and they leave and nobody gets hurt, I have right more understanding and sympathy towards that than if they go in and they hold up the store and put a gun to a person's head and scare the shit out of everyone and somebody gets hurt. It's like, but they just needed food. It's like, like, you know, you can still yeah. make decisions uh, based, you know, life presents something to you. You are in a spot where you have to do things that aren't considered savory by, by the rest of society. But well, just doing something to someone else that you wouldn't want done to you. You still have decisions to make within that, too. Yeah. And, you know, it's not all either or or easily explainable like some people like to make it. And, well, and she had no other choice. She had to become a stripper. Yeah, like, like on the flip side, the people. Go who, ahead and own that you're going to be a stripper. That's fine. Don't don't put it under the guise of I had no choice. Well, yeah. On the flip side, though, I you know, the, the the people who automatically dismiss others. And give them right. no leeway for the decisions they've made in their lives. Like, I don't agree with that either. It's like, it's somewhere in the middle. These things should be considered. Uh, they're worth considering quite often. But also, I can say, I understand that, but you're still a piece of shit. Yeah, I think um, I was uh, talking about Harvey Weinstein at some point, saying that obviously he's a, a mon, like, he was a, he was a, gross dude and and used his pat whatever but also those girls were kind of dumb sometimes like what are you doing there has to be a tiny part of the pie that's like she also made a little bit of a mistake that doesn't mean that you're then clearing the way well then it's okay for her to get assaulted or to get abused or used yeah so you bring this up and my initial reaction is no i don't agree with you on this one it's like i don't right i don't but i, I don't agree. I, I can't it's hard for me to put the blame on anyone but him. I don't, I can't. No, the blame, the blame comes at the point where he is doing the thing that's wrong, right? Of course. But someone else was involved in making, he did not force anyone to come upstairs into that hotel, into those hotel rooms. I'm not saying that that gives him the leeway to then be the asshole, be the jerk, be the So monster. what's the point of the conversation then? Well, just to say, like, women also have to be smart because people because this is the world that men can be incredibly disgusting. And so, like, don't 
don't go with him. Like, don't go up to someone's hotel room by yourself. I mean, it's fair to say that people need to be aware of situations and realities and make decisions based on that. But, you know, in the instance with Harvey, which, what the fuck was that? It was like, I was ugly and fat as a kid, and now I'm going to show the world. And yeah. I still am ugly and fat. Yeah, you, you get some power and you get decision-making capabilities and you can make or break people's careers, things that are already hard to get into, like acting. Um, you know, that's always, there is a power dynamic. And yeah, and yeah. I, I think it's hard to know the way things are going to play out or you think if I'm presented with this situation, I'm going to act this way. Then you find Absolutely. yourself in it and it's not what you thought or it's much scarier than you thought and you're not able to no, I get it. act yeah. the way you want it. And like, you know, a dude can make or break your career. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, here's an opportunity. If I say no, it's probably over already. But maybe I can get to that. I'll go do this thing and I'll navigate through it. It'll be a little uncomfortable. And then you're in it and this guy, yeah, is assaulting mm-hmm. you. It's like, well, fuck, I did not expect this. Right. And if anything like that, were to ever happen to me like last night I was over at this person's house who I don't really even like um I was with a girlfriend of mine and then this dude's house and another friend of mine who was a man left and said he was coming back but he never did and this person who owned the house was real drunk and I was just gonna have like one more drink and leave because my girlfriend was had been there already and she was real drunk and she didn't want to leave yet so I wasn't gonna just leave her there with him so I asked if he had any more high noons. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah. Hey, what the fuck's up basement. with these, by the way? Huh? These high noons have seemingly come out of nowhere. Oh, they're great. That's why. Uh, everyone loves them. But when it, uh, don't lose your train of thought, please. But I am okay. curious. When the fuck did these pop onto the scene? I don't know. Maybe like the summer, I think. So they're new. I mean, I, that's when I first saw them was at the pool. And, and they were big cans. And somehow everyone knows about them. And they're all drinking them. Because... It was the White Claw and Truly era, but those are like malted beverages and they give me headaches. And I think that uh, high noons are no like high, um, no sugar or maybe like two grams of sugar or something, you know, and it's easier to drink and not uh, feel the effects later. But it's like real booze in there, right? It's not. So I guess. Yeah, it's like vodka and we're something. Hard seltzer. I don't know what the alcohol in hard seltzer is. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But this is like a big thing these days is having whiskey in a can. It's like a mixed oh, yeah. drink already. Isn't that a th- yeah. is, is high noon similar to that? It's supposed to be vodka and something, but it's more like it's more like a like a LaCroix, but booze. Okay. It's a hard seltzer is what and now I'm looking it up and they're yeah. They're promoting it but as the a- white claws and stuff were also promoted as uh, hard seltzers, but they suck. Uh, High Noon introduced on May 1st in 32 states. There you supported go. by a media campaign to drive significant awareness with a creative message focused on key product attributes and brand lifestyle. Well, good for them because if this thing is relatively new and now it's just across yeah. the board, everyone knows what the fuck it is. It's a uh, what a success story. Huh? Neutral with a umlaut over the U is also really good. <laughs> okay. So anyway, you're at this freak's house. Yeah. Ugh. Um, you find a sex doll in the 
No, closet. but we went down to the basement and he opened up his little mini fridge, but he was laughing before he got there and he was like, it, there's nothing in there. There's nothing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so there, there isn't any high noons? He was like, no. I said, okay. I ran. Like I quickly turned around and ran up the stairs because I thought, I'm in this dude's basement. I don't know why he told me that there was something down here when there's not. Was it a dark floor? No, it was a finished basement with like a TV and like a, like it it was a, it wasn't like a, Ooh, a man torture cave. chambers. Yeah, my man cave. But I'm just telling you, there was a feeling, you know? So I left. So what he also is, ugh, there's too much. His, we, we call him Drunk John. Is he proud of that? No, he doesn't know we'd call him that. I mean, I remember, I knew a guy named Drunk Mike when I was 19 and he was like 22 and he really took to it. He's like, yeah, that's who I am. Well, at 22, that kind of makes sense. I'm Drunk like, Mike. Stupid. <laughs> no, he's just, he, he gets, he. Why do people goes, hang out with him? They don't like him. I don't, I think people like him. I don't like him. I thought last night, I was like, fuck this. I'm not, <laughs> I'm never coming back here. Because he also What's got too drunk and he touched my friend's butt like on the couch. But she was also super drunk. And How so? Was it that she was sitting down and he slipped his hand over? Or he, he kept telling her to sit in between. He's like, come sit over here. And she was like, no, nah, you know, so she sat down. And then we were like talking and she was, he was on the other side of her. She was in the middle and I was on the end. And she was sitting up like sort of at the edge of the seat and he put his arm down like onto her butt and just like let it sit there. And I I was in the middle of saying something and I just started laughing. And I was like, okay, let's get the fuck out of here. So is so what's his background? Um where does he come I don't from? Wanna, what does he do? Well, he's a lawyer. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't want to say too much, but he um Does he have kids? He has a, he has yes. Six of them. Three. Okay. And he has a, a girl, a, a fiance now who lives in California. And I don't think that she's ever seen him like this. Because <laughs> in- every time I've seen him, he's been, it sucks because when he's not like just all the way upside down in a, in a bottle, <laughs> like he is very nice and like, um, he's a good host, you know, and all yeah, that. He yeah. seems like a nice guy. A nice trait. One of the best hosts around. Well, just, I, he just I, uh, thoughtful is what I mean. You know, so he's she a doesn't dude know what and she's... he has a home and he's thoughtful about like if people come over, if you're hungry, he'll make you something. You I know, put the candelabras out. Set no, you know what I mean? I'm just saying. And uh, I don't know. And then the fact that this friend of ours left and didn't come back and didn't call us or anything. And we're two women at this man's house. I thought that's. That's not a friend. Maybe they had a discussion about it beforehand. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm never. I'm never going back. I don't care what's going on. And look, I, I think trust your gut in these situations. Yeah. It's a fair, fair thing to do. So my point is, is that I went downstairs, and if anything were to happen, I can hear myself saying, "Well, why'd you go downstairs?" Yeah, but you know, see, and, <laughs> which is not not the first thing I would say. And not to say that anything is is to blame on me. It was my fault or anything. But it was like, I had the instinct to get out of the basement and to not stick around the house even. 
I just get out of here. I really can't stand that argument. Like, Why did you go down to the basement in the first place? You sh- yes, okay. There's um. People should be allowed to go down to basements, like without fear of getting hurt. Yeah, there's some validity to that, but in the bigger picture, if something were to have happened, like that should not come into play. It shouldn't at all. And I agree. It shouldn't. Like especially because especially especially in that situation with. I was just going down into a friend's basement. Like, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know I what I don't know what point people are trying to make when they bring that up in a situation. Like, that's a wholly separate issue as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Say you go down there and this guy makes some advances that are unwanted and God forbid it, it, it uh, right. goes from there. But even if that doesn't happen, like bringing up, well, why would you go down in the first place? Valid question. Wholly separate issue. Don't mm-hmm. because the moment you bring it up in that context, in that scenario, you're like making excuses in a way for that person, even if I that's agree. not what you intend to do. It's like, no, the focus is not on that anymore. The focus is now on this fucking creep, this monster and what they did. So how do I how do I marry those two ideas? Because I totally believe I you can't. totally They're separate. agree with you. I just think they're they're wholly separate things. Like you can have that discussion. Like people should be mindful and aware and make decisions that uh, hopefully keep them out of such situations. But also, why it's not so weird if you're hanging out at a person's house and right. they have a refrigerator in the basement uh, that you would go down there. I don't. You know, going back to the Weinstein thing when you brought it up, it's like ah, I don't like when you brought up the accountability yeah. of the women. It's like no, 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 I don't buy into that at all uh you should have every reasonable or you should have zero fear it's like all right even if you think that the guy wants to hit on you or whatever but it's like a big time name under the guise of industry and the whole reason why you were at the hotel at the bar or something in general is because you think you're going to, you're getting an opportunity. Yeah. Or a discussion. And this person does have the ability to give you that and wants to talk to you about it. And you hope that their motivations aren't Mm -hmm. just to have sex with you. And then they actually see some kind of talent and want to help you, uh, without any personal gain. You can hope those things. Even if you hear the stories again, that that's not really what's going to happen. You think, okay, and you factor that in. Maybe maybe it's going to get a little pushy, but I can work my way through that. Right. I think I think being in a spot that you've never been in before in your life, trying to understand what that would be like, like if it went completely awry, uh, there's no way to really understand that until you're there. And like, holy shit, this is much bigger than I ever thought it, yeah. would, it would be. Yeah, so. I'm sure that anybody that was put into that situation realized it too late. It was like, oh, no, I'm in over my head. Like, I can't. Yeah. I've made too many wrong choices. And then, you know, because nature's fucking cruel, making men physically bigger yeah. than women, they're just able to overpower at that point. Like, it would be something if dudes were still driven to have sex with every woman that they see, and that was the only motivation they had in life and they were in powerful positions and everything played out exactly the same, but women were physically bigger and you can be like, fuck you. <laughs> you just flick, <laughs> flick we them were all away. Built like China. Yeah. You just flick them away. Like get yeah. out of here. You fucking creep. Mm-hmm. But on top of it, you've got men who are physically dominant. 
Way to go, yeah. Mother Nature. Weak-minded, physically dominant. And if they're not physically do- dominant, then they gain power. Well, yeah, and people are always looking for ways to just one-up for whatever reason. It's really yeah. a pathetic motivation. This humanity is like, I got more money. I got more power. I got more status. I got a better job. I have sex with more people. It's like, who <laughs> fucking cares? You they are, are just, they've got to be just wildly unhappy in the life that they're in. And just not even know it. And they just put all of their attention on these outward facing things. You are a loser ultimately yeah. still at the end of the day. That is exactly what you are. That's why population should be controlled though, because this is built in. I don't mean, I just <laughs> mean future. Maybe there should be a thought of, I'm not saying anyone who's already alive. <laughs> don't, I'm not going down that path. I'm saying in the future, maybe people should think about this. I don't think it should be imposed by any government or, or governing body. But I think that people in general should think, hey, things are getting a little out of hand. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people in this world. And because we're still driven by such trivial things, the more people in the world there are, the harder it is to set yourself apart. So the more extreme some of these behaviors are going to be. If there was only I've, 12 people in existence, you're like, well, well, you have to stand out amongst 12 people. I can find I've ways to do that that aren't harmful. So I've said it before that I think that I know that it's impossible to do because it would just get so corrupted and horrible. And, um, but I, I think, I don't think everybody should have kids. I don't think people should be allowed. Some people should be allowed to have kids. And like the only, uh, compromise should be like, we should, we should pay people like women who are on the streets getting pregnant. We should pay them to have that implant thing on their arm so that they can't get pregnant. <laughs> offer them up a stipend that's what this woman this one woman does she goes around and offer and pays women to get that implantation i can't remember what it's called was it going to their arm yeah and just leaks hormones slowly no women lots of i think it lasts for five years just living under your skin huh Mm -hmm. i don't know why that shocks me so much i know that's a real thing but it's weird (laughs) it's a gel pack that just slowly leaks yeah, like toxic well, it's better waste. than having to shove that IUD sure. in your cervix. <laughs> sure. I mean, the fact that birth control still falls mostly to women. Unless well, it's... you know that, that study that happened where they were developing the study or the um, birth control for men, but it had too many side effects. <laughs> what were the side effects? Probably the same shit that we have. I don't remember. I Weight didn't gain. It. Yeah, exactly. Mood fluctuations. Mood, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm a man. I got too much going on. I can't have such things. Yeah. Fuck off. I really do sometimes feel like a misandrist. Like, ugh, men probably had something to do with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I feel like if I were, if it were the other way around, if I were a man and I was like, ugh, women, fucking idiots. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm a narrow minded piece of shit. But, but as a woman, it's like fine to think shitty about men. Yeah, it's that's acceptable though because yeah. it's correct. Birth control <laughs> created by dudes for the most part. I'm not saying that there haven't been women involved, but right. dudes imposing it on women. If there is a thing where it's like, oh, the side effects are too great as a man, I can't push this on other men. I think it's that's that's crap. <laughs> so many things were <coughs> were developed by men for women that can be done differently. And successfully, like pap smears are done that way, are done this way. Just even birthing positions are done that way because men decided that this was the way that it needed to be done for them. When there are other ways 
for these procedures to be done that are more comfortable and better uh, and get the same results. Well, that's why women exist, though, is for men. So yeah, it's all for the man's comfort and experience and whatever. <laughs> these best. midwives who have had been, you know, been present at 3000 birds in their lifetime move out of the way. I'm a doctor. I think it should all be C-sections. <laughs> I look. I know that's a it's a major procedure. It's a whole, yeah, it's a whole surgery. But to me, and I can't speak to it. So please, anyone listening to this, take it with a grain of salt, because I I can say for me this is the decision I would make. But I don't have any idea. Uh, one, when women say you'll never know what it's like to be pregnant, is a great. I don't want to know. I have. Yeah. <laughs> I know that some people think it's cool and they enjoy it and. I don't, I don't want to know. I'm glad I never have to know. And I feel like giving birth just seems like such an ordeal that I'd rather, it's just more passive, the C-section. It's like, okay, I'm going to lay here. You're going to give me some drugs. It's strange that I have to stay awake during this and know that my body's cut open on the other side of that sheet. Uh, but that's just, I, I just want to lay here and you take care of it. Thank you. That's totally legitimate. I don't think that, I mean, I, I'm all about natural birth. Um, if that's what you want, but if you want to have a C-section, go get your C-section. You can go do schedule it. it. You know when. Like, yes. Okay, this is happening. What's What's bad? It what, What's worse is when you're inexperienced. You have you have no advocate at the hospital. You you've you've never done this before. You're scared. You're worried. You're excited. You're in pain. You're going through labor. You don't know what you're doing, and then. You go to the hospital and then the hospital puts you in positions that are not effective for birthing. And um, uh, oh, um, oh, and then they they don't let you eat, which is imperative for the amount of work that your body is doing. It needs fuel. They won't let you eat because if you do go into surgery that they're afraid you'll aspirate or something if they have to put you under. And then. Um, you're, it's not progressing. They're watching you. They're constantly sticking their fucking hands inside of your body. And you're just trying to fucking get this kid out. And then your labor, uh, plateaus. It just stays the same. You're not moving forward. Then they start, they start the countdown and they say, okay, well you have to have a C-section and then it's not what you wanted or you're scared. And then they do it. And then your recovery is worse because of your mental state that you've been in. And then the thought of your birth has forever been tainted by a negative experience. If you go in and say, I want this baby to be a C-section baby, get it out of me on this date and time, then everything is better. Your whole experience is better. The recovery is easier because of mental state going into surgery. And it's just, oh, it's like, great, do it. But all of this like forced well, even before that experience. Point, even before that point, uh, I, they do, they push it, don't they? Because they just like to have their days scheduled. Like, all right, on this day, there's going to be this many births. And we know that it'll start at this time and end at this time. And when it's natural, there's too many variables. Well, that's true too. Like they don't like you going past a certain amount of uh, days past your due date, even though like everything would be fine. Everything's if, if everything is fine, you know, if everything is measuring properly, they'll start measuring the, the water. Like they'll, there's no way to know how much water it, ambiotic fluid is inside of your pregnant belly. They have to estimate it. And if they're concerned about it, they're going to find the right number that tells you you need to go get um, 
induced. Yeah, get out of here. And then guess what you can do instead? You can just drink a bunch of water and then your baby pees and then bang, you have the right <laughs> amount of ambiotic fluid. <laughs> you know? I mean, I understand like if you have preeclampsia or if you're bleeding or if, you know, say, go ahead and take care of it. But it's this, it's this forced thing like th- we are a medical team and we need hard facts, hard evidence when this is not a broken leg. You know, this is not an injury that I would love for your precision. Well, look, the doctors got tickets for the basketball game that evening and they want to get home first and wash up and and have a meal. Stuff like that is true. Even like shift change. They're like, we want to get this stuff. We want to get these these women out of here for shift change because we don't want to have to deal with them in the next whatever. Yeah, it's true. I'm telling you, if I had another life to lead, I would I would become like a birthing advocate. If only you could travel back in time. I guess and, I still have time. And that's the story of how Autumn bought a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> which is... I forgot about that. Apparently going to be the foundation of this week's conversation, but we never got to it. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. I hope you liked the show. I liked it. Love you. Bye. Bye.